are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. Welcome to Growth University, the 2020 edition. I'm looking forward to all of the series that we have planned. We have already planned them. They are set in stone, decided upon topics and various uh, books of the Bible that we are going to look at together in this forum because God always has more for us. Isn't that right? That's something that we teach in Ministry 201 is right out of Peter's second letter to say we've got to keep adding things to our faith experience. Peter said, add to your faith virtue, add to your virtue knowledge and temperance, that idea of we never stop growing. We never arrive at some spiritual destination. That's what heaven is. That's when you've arrived, is when you are absent from the body and present with the Lord, either through death or the rapture. We have to keep growing Peter said, grow in grace and in the knowledge of your Lord and Savior. That word grow is oxano. We believe in that so much. We want that to be our focus. And that's why we came back to class tonight. Because we have things we've got to learn. Things that we need to work on in our relationship with God. Speaking of, did anyone receive their first quiz assignment today? Welcome. Coach Chris is in the house to say welcome to being a Bible quizzer at the Calvary Church. And for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, I am talking about something that is real and is happening. Um, But back in November, I preached a message about the importance of learning and meditating and studying the Word of God. And one of the ways that We are trying to really zero in on this in this year is to invite you to learn a new verse with us every week in the year of 2020. And we are going to be communicating that to you through email and social media and our podcast. And so each week on Wednesday, Lord willing, Brother Forrest, right, we all remember to let you know what the verse of the week is. And I will be giving you just a a little clip to maybe help you better understand the verse that we're learning. And um, we will be looking at that together. So with that being said, let us begin our first series of 2020, Contagious Christianity. Anybody familiar with this book, this old book? Pages are a little yellowed, but, but that's okay. It's a great resource for us. Pastor Tom preached a wonderful message on Sunday, casting vision, the Lord's vision for us as a congregation in the new year, go fishing. Some of us were more blessed by that analogy than others. A, he cast vision, hallelujah. Pun was intended, I think, but that whole idea of evangelism stirs up different reactions in all of us, let's be honest, based on our personality or even our personal experiences with it or maybe our lack of experience with trying to fulfill the Great Commission on our own. But I just want to encourage you to open up your heart 
in this series for the Lord to talk to you about this in a new way, in a different way, in a way that might be um, unfamiliar to you. I think we all make assumptions about what personal evangelism is based on things that we've seen done, things that we're seeing done on social media, whatever opinion or impression that you are getting. But I believe that our personal evangelism approach can be as unique as we are. Because God made us for his purpose. And we understand, based on what we're going to look at tonight, that our purpose is to be a witness in this world and to tell people who Jesus is. But does anybody else ever get kind of physically sick when you think about sharing your testimony or inviting someone to church? Have you ever just kind of... I know I've been in settings where I'm like... My palms are sweating just thinking about it. How, how am I going to actually do this? This is, so, this is so intense because inviting someone to church or just talking to them about the Lord can overwhelm us with fear and this anticipation of I'm going to be rejected and they're not going to talk to me anymore if I do this in this moment. And Kat, I was thinking about you today when I was studying because I remember my reaction when I invited Kat to, to, to um, Calvary at Chipotle, and I fully expected her to say, no thanks. <laughs> Lord, increase my faith. And uh, when she said, oh, sure, I'll come, I was like, well, you will? <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Nobody had ever said yes to me, so that was... <laughs> I'm not proud of that fact. I'm... Yeah, I know I'm stuck with you, and I'm so thankful that I asked, right? <laughs> but then I remember pacing in the foyer thinking, she's not coming. There's no way she's coming. No one has ever come when I've asked them to come. And she came. And I'm not bragging about any of this, only to be completely transparent to say, I have had my struggles, and I still have struggles in this part of my faith. And I don't minimize that at all because I need to do a better job. We all can grow in this area in our relationship with God. Because here's the bottom line. If we want to follow Jesus, if we want to be like him, and I believe that we do, that's one of the reasons why we're here tonight, we should care about people. And not just people, but we should care about their souls Where are they going to spend eternity? That's one of the strongest impressions my grandma Pasley left on me as a young girl when she told me, Kristen, everybody has a soul that's going to spend forever somewhere. Jesus died for everyone, and that means he cares about everyone. In our pursuit to be Christ-like, this should be at the top of the list because saving people is what brought Jesus to this earth. We just came out of the holiday season and I think it's all still fresh in our thought. Emmanuel, God with us. That reality came to be because of God's desire to have a relationship with humanity. In fact, it's why we were created. And the author of the book we are using for this series makes the point that even science points out the fact that God cares about people. 
We have been talking very philosophically in our Bible class here at the Calvary Academy about the anthropic principle. Miss Benz, are you impressed? And what that basically is, is the admission that it's pretty obvious that the earth is uniquely equipped to support human life. That in itself is evidence that God cares about us. The position of the earth, its distance from the sun, that we're not melting, <laughs> we're not freezing to death, we're not falling off the planet because the, the earth is tilted too far, right? The, even the amount of carbon dioxide and oxygen in the air, it's perfectly balanced so that we can live, so that life can be sustained, And obviously, we realize that God's concern for our physical well-being is not all that he's concerned with. He's concerned with our spiritual well-being. That's why he died for our sins. Only Jesus could have paid the price for sin. And that's why he did it. That's why he came, because people matter to God, all people, and because of that, People should matter to you and I. People certainly matter in the business world, especially in the environment that we live in, in the world of Disney and Amazon and Chick-fil-A. The customer is always right. It's part of the magic of Walt's empire. The Disney experience, if you haven't had it, let me just tell you, It is all about valuing people. Just go to the parks with a little girl dressed like a princess, and you will get the royal treatment. I remember when Audrey was 18 months old. She was not even two. And we had lunch at Cinderella's Castle. And that little angel had a snow white dress on. And one of the cast members, which means one of the employees, noticed her and admired her, waiting her turn to be seated at Cinderella's table. And she just went on and on to Audrey about how beautiful she was, how fair she was. We are so glad that you're here. And Audrey, as young as she was, rose to the occasion to say, yes, you are glad I'm here. She didn't say that, but her body language certainly did. And she even accommodated the cast member with a little twirl or two. It was the most precious, magical thing in the world. And so after a couple of family pilgrimages to Cinderella's castle, Kate and I caught on and we started wearing crowns. Because, I mean, if that's the treatment you get if you're dressed like a princess, then sign me up. Let's do it. But that's part of Walt Disney's legacy that's still very evident in his company. Be our guest. We value you. We're glad you're here. This is why Amazon is my best friend. Sometimes I don't even have to return the package. That is amazing because I am the customer and I'm amazing. It makes dreams come true, but they have built their empire on this idea that you are the customer. You are right. We are here to serve you. And speaking of serving, how about Chick-fil-A? How about that bastion of culinary bliss? 
I mean, if you're having a bad day, go to Chick-fil-A and they just make you feel like your life is worth something. It's the only place where I hear, it's my pleasure. How may I serve you? It's the only place where people talk to me that way and I love it. And I go back every week for that kind of treatment. Can I get a witness? But these businesses, they're not stupid. People matter. People make their business happen. And the truth is, God cares about people even if we don't. That seems obvious. I realize that. But think about it for a moment. It's very convicting. Even if we're off our game spiritually and being sensitive to the people around us, God isn't. God is very concerned. God is very aware with what people need. In fact, in the culture that Jesus lived in, he was a rebel in this way. Just read the Gospels. It's interesting to realize that the people Jesus had issue with when he was here were the religious people. Specifically, the religious leaders. Very scary, Jesus. But if you study the ministry of Jesus... It's very clear that he spent a lot of time with the outsiders, with outcasts, with people that were shunned by society, maybe because they were sick, maybe because it was just part of the social structure of the day. You just don't go there, Jesus. We just don't talk to those people, Jesus. And yet in John chapter 4, we see Jesus go out of his way, literally, took a detour through Samaria. The Bible says he had to go through Samaria. It was not on his route. Why did he have to go? Well, verses later, he meets the woman at the well whose life is a train wreck. And she's the only person getting water because she's avoiding the crowd because no one else would talk to her. And it wasn't just the Pharisees. It wasn't just the religious leaders who took issue with who Jesus spent time with. Even Jesus' disciples, those closest to him, those who knew him best, I would think, they tried to redirect Jesus sometimes. They tried to pull him away from the lowly people who sought him out. They even tried to get him to come away, Jesus. This is all too much. Get away from this crowd. It's never going to end. It's funny to think of the disciples arguing with Jesus about who was deserving of his time and his effort. But Jesus made very clear statements like the one in Matthew 9, 12. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Luke 19, 10, Jesus said, the son of man is come to seek and to save Those who are lost. Jesus' purpose was not a mystery. He did not come incognito on some secret mission to planet Earth. He made his mission very clear through what he said and what he did with his time and his ministry. Jesus said, I came for those who are sick. I came for those who are lost. And Jesus told not one. Not two, but three parables in a row to get this point across to his audience one day. 
that people matter, that everyone matters to him. Three parables. We're not going to go through them. I'm going to assume that you know them. The lost coin, the lost sheep, the prodigal son. All of these stories are different. There are different types of things lost in these stories. One has an inanimate object. One has an animal that's lost. And one has a person who's lost. And in each scenario, a different method for searching for this lost item is used. But there are two things that all three parables have in common. And Jesus uses these two themes in these three parables to emphasize his passion for people. And they are this. Number one, people have value. In each scenario, what was lost mattered so much to the person, the woman who lost the coin, the shepherd who lost the sheep, the father whose son left. They noticed they were gone. And they didn't just notice, but they searched for what was lost. They were aware. They took action. And number two, people are worth the effort. The shepherd wasn't satisfied with the fact that he had 99 other sheep still at home, safe and sound. The father just didn't sit back and say, you know what, I still got one boy, so I'll just be thankful that he's still here. But their value to them merited the effort that it took to get those things back, to find them. In each case, the value of what was missing did not diminish when it was no longer there. Just because they were lost didn't mean they weren't valuable, didn't mean they weren't cherished anymore. They weren't just going to be replaced and move on. But those items were sought after. The father waited and looked for his son to return because people have value. And all people have value And reaching people requires effort. Jesus made that painfully clear in those three parables. No excuses. Searched the house top to bottom. Went and left the 99 looking for one. How significant is it to us that these three parables were told consecutively? They're not cross-references, fellow quiz heads. A cross-reference is something that is mentioned in one verse and then mentioned in another. But this idea is mentioned in consecutive verses. Jesus went off about this, you guys. He made the point and he stayed there. I, I would go so far as to say if Jesus had a soapbox, this was it. Those of us who are parents, we know what it's like. I think we have an idea of how Jesus felt in that moment where you're talking to your child and you're just, you feel the anointing and you're like, I'm going for this right now. We're, we're talking about this. We are uncovering everything in this moment. We're going to have it out. I know my parents had that approach with me. Thank God. By all means necessary, you will get the message. We will come at it from every angle. 
And it was usually about my mouth, Mom. I know, before you say it. We were talking at dinner the other night, and Mom said, do you remember when your dad used to say, your mouth has a disease and I'm the cure? (laughs) And he was the cure. Oh, God. Parable after parable. And I needed it all. Thank you, Jesus. But we must take to heart the fact that of all the things that Jesus was most passionate about in his teaching, it's this right here, that people matter. And that reaching people was his purpose when he came to this earth. That reaching people was the purpose that he left with his followers when he left the earth. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. Don't be freaked out because I'm leaving and maintain the status quo in headquarters in Jerusalem. Don't stay huddled up together. Go. Disperse. Tell. Teach. Baptize. Everybody, not just in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, all of that sounds good. It's powerful stuff. It stirs our hearts. It ignites passion in us. It even stirs our compassion. But how do we do that? We have jobs. We have lives. We have fears. We've had bad experiences trying to do this. But that's why we're teaching this series this month. To help us better understand and apply this command in Scripture to share our faith with the world around us. And so tonight, as I steer us towards our app time, I want to start with a basic understanding of the benefits and the costs involved in a commitment to personal evangelism. And so let's start with the good news. The benefits, as cited in our book, Contagious Christian. Benefit number one is adventure. When we live with a mindset of reaching others with the gospel, it opens us up to be available for God assignments. We start thinking differently about things that come up. Situations that we're made aware of. Maybe we're somewhere we weren't planning on being and we realize, I think God wants me here right now. We have these random conversations and at the end our hearts are stirred to say, you know what? I wasn't supposed to be here in this moment, but I think God wanted me there to talk to that person. And that is exciting Because here's what I know. If we pray for God to use us in this way, how can he ignore a request like that? Why would he not answer a prayer like that? I know for me, sometimes between Tom and I, I'll say, Tom, I'm going fishing. I have this opportunity right now. I won't get into it in this forum, but I have no idea why why I'm there. I really don't. It is a door that God opened for me, and it's kind of weird. You want to know what it is, I'll tell you later, but I'm live. so. But I'm in this environment, and I have to laugh. I get tickled, because I'm like, only God could put me in this scenario. Here I am. What are you doing, Chris? Well, i got to go to this meeting. I'm going fishing. 
I don't know what I'm doing, but God has me assigned here, and he's going to help me figure it out. I'm, I'm on an adventure, you guys. Number two is purpose. Have you ever thought after a long day, there is God to be more to my life than this? There's just got to be. Jesus died for more than this, I'm telling you. Nine to five, no. But when we start saying, Lord, use me to tell somebody about you today, it gives purpose and meaning to our lives. Number three is fulfillment. What could be more important than telling somebody who Jesus is or telling them what the Lord has done in your life? Jesus said, lift up your eyes. Look on the fields. Let me help you here. Get your eyes off yourself. You're looking for fulfillment within yourself and you will not find it. There are times in our relationship with God when we are frustrated. We are unfulfilled because we are not fulfilling our purpose as Christians. Number four, spiritual growth. One of the things that I am convinced of, and I understand that I am young and inexperienced, but I have taught a few Bible studies. I am convinced more and more all the time that when Jesus said, make disciples, it was for the benefit of the disciples, just as much as it was for those they were teaching. You want to know if you really know something? Teach it to somebody else. Because there's something about being responsible to someone else. Those of you who are parents, how much did your life change when it wasn't about you anymore? And when you're teaching someone a Bible study... You're having a baby, let me tell you right now. Oh God, the effort, the time, it's all so important. And I can guarantee you this, you will benefit more from the experience than the person you are teaching. And that's not to degrade you or minimize your experience with God. It's part of the process. It's Jesus' idea that you disciple someone else to help you grow. To help you mature in your relationship with God. Number five is spiritual confidence. It's funny because this is why people say they can't teach other people. To which I say based on my experience, that's exactly why you should teach somebody. Because you feel like you can't. Because you don't know a lot. Well, here's the motivation to start cramming the scripture. Because you're going to teach Somebody else. Get it in your mind. Get it in your heart. And number six, enduring investments. One of the things my dad said often was, invest in people. They're the only things in life that will last. Because souls are eternal. And number seven, the honor of being God's agent. We love Acts 1-8, but you shall receive power Deutimus, dynamite power, after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Why was the power given according to Jesus? Power to be a witness. That's why it was given. So now, as we hasten to apt time, let's talk about the costs. 
Number one, time and energy are two most limited, <laughs> precious commodities, our time and our energy. I think the enemy keeps us busy for this very reason. If he can't keep us from loving the Lord and being saved, then he will do everything he can to drain us so that we we do not have the energy or the passion for what God wants to do through us. Number two, reading and study. Keep growing, Peter said. I believe this is a cost and a benefit because we gain more when we teach others. Number three, money. Another thing my dad always says were, was people are an investment, not an expense. That's profound. Personal evangelism may need a line in our budget for coffee breaks, taking a meal to somebody, maybe attending a conference or a seminar that just helps you be a better soul winner. Jesus said where your treasure is, and he was talking about money. There will your heart be as well. Number four, the risk of embarrassment, rejection, or even persecution. Again, the words of Jesus. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, rejoice. Great is your reward in heaven. A source of personal motivation has always been when I feel like I've got to take a risk for the Lord. I would rather fail pleasing the Lord, then play it safe and let him down. That's a great source of motivation in my life. God, I'd rather fail trying to obey you than to sit back and be safe and let you down and hurt you after all you've done for me. And so now it is app time. And we are going to discuss our memory verse for this week, which is Matthew 5.16. Do we have? Yes. Here's our verse. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I want to give you a couple minutes, and I want you to just reflect on what this verse means, especially in the context of what we've talked about so far, and find somebody. Make sure everyone is included in our app time. All right, and we will discuss it together, and then we will conclude. All right, we're just going to conclude this first installment of Contagious Christianity, and I'll invite you to stand, and I want to read uh, 
to you, Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, as we close, you are the light of the world. This is Jesus speaking. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Salt and light both make a difference in any environment that they're in. They're clearly present. If you have too much salt on your food, you cannot ignore it, right? (laughs) And if there's an absence of salt, you cannot ignore that as well. If you're good, you do, but still... Light certainly changes the atmosphere. Just ask any kid who's afraid of the dark. Got to have that nightlight. That little bitty bulb makes a big difference. And there's a lot we could say about these verses, but quickly, salt creates thirst. It's one of the things that it does, and light illuminates. And it makes us think about what Jesus is saying we're supposed to be. And we're supposed to do through our example in this world. And Holly, when Tom sent me that graphic, you know I thought of Brother Toby Mack and his song, (laughs) Like a Match, where he talks about this. He says, we found a fulfilling fire that they've been looking for. Boy, that stirs my heart. We have what people are looking for. And sometimes they sense it, maybe through our appearance or our conversation. But you and I have an opportunity to create relationships with people that help answer some of the questions that maybe they're asking. Or maybe they don't trust anybody enough to ask. And that's where this idea of contagious Christianity comes into play to say, what does that look like in our lives? How can we have an awareness? How can we be ready when those moments present themselves to us? And so Pastor Tom is going to take the next three weeks, and I'll back clean up at the end, I guess. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Just saying that because he's not here. Um, But I feel so challenged. I feel like the Lord's voice has been so clear in the last three services that we've had. You feel this this invitation and this expectation of surrender when they were singing tonight. I felt like that's what was happening in the spirit as we were singing and surrendering ourselves to God and God is pulling at us. We feel that call of of more and uh, an openness maybe that's never been there before. And so as we conclude tonight, let us pray. God, you know what I need to do to be salt, to be light, to be that city set on a hill. He knows the environments that you're in. He knows the, the opportunities that you don't have. And yet here we are, these verses before us that let us know people matter to God. And because they matter to God, they need to matter to us. And if we pray these prayers, God is going to answer. Amen. In Jesus' name, Lord, we love you. I thank you for the challenge of your word that you didn't just save us.
and clean us up for us to stay huddled up together in your house. But Lord, you have trusted us with what was the passion of your life and ministry. It's why you came to reach people. And so God, whatever our fears are, whatever our experiences have been in the past, I pray that your, way, your word would just create a new way of thinking for us. Open up our hearts to what you would ask us to do, that, Lord, we would let our lights shine. Shine with a greater sense of purpose to say, God, I may not have all the answers, but because you love people, I'm going to love people. And because you're aware of them, I want to be aware of them. Use me, Jesus, as you see fit to reach this world that you died to save. Go with us and keep us in the coming days. Continue to speak to us through your word as we learn it this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.